If our shelter didn't have space and shelter was the only option that they had for safety, I knew that if they had a pet, they had no other options. I'm Phil Hatterman, and this is Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Today, Zoe Agnews-Voboda and Andy Bond from Bestie B&B talk about how providing a safe place for pets is helping domestic violence shelters give peace of mind and support to survivors of abuse. If you're new to Dog Words, in each episode we explore the world of dog care and companionship. We Save Each Other is the motto of Rosie Fund, which simply means the more we do for dogs, the more they do for us, and they already do a lot. You can support Rosie Fund through donations or by making a purchase through one of the affiliates at rosiefund.org. This helps provide the Rosie Life Starter Kits that make sure senior and harder-to-adopt dogs have some of the items they'll need in their forever home. This makes them much more adoptable. Any donation amount is greatly appreciated, but popular levels include $30 to provide a collar and leash for a Rosie Life Starter Kit dog and $100 to cover an entire kit. We've just launched a campaign on Bonfire.com that includes a shirt featuring Peach's Delight. I'll have an update on her health at the end of the episode. Her B.A. Royal Delight t-shirt is just one of the many choices in our Bonfire store that help you show how much you love dogs while you support Rosie Fund. You can also support Rosie Fund by downloading, subscribing, rating, and most importantly, sharing dog words. Follow us on social media, including the free Rosie Fund YouTube channel that offers great videos of Rosie, peaches, and shelter dogs looking for their forever home. Even if you aren't looking for a dog, watching and sharing the videos helps give these dogs much-needed exposure. In addition to Rosie Fun Dogs, lately we've been posting lots of videos of peaches checking off items on her bucket list. While it can be a heartbreaking acknowledgement of the reality of the human-animal bond that eventually we have to say goodbye, it's also an important reminder to savor every moment we have with our beloved pets. We welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions at DogWords, especially if you have an idea for a topic or guest. Go to the podcast page at rosiefund.org to share your thoughts. Next time on DogWords, Hugo Coffee Roasters founder and CEO Claudia McMullen talks about her journey to promoting animal welfare while delivering great coffee. The mission of Rosie Fund is to provide humans with the resources and education they need to give senior and harder-to-adopt dogs a better life. We thank you for joining our mission. Today's guests on Dog Words are Zoe Agnews-Voboda, Director of Engagement and Program Development with Bestie B&B, and their co-founder, Andy Bond. Welcome to Dog Words. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having us. Very happy to be here. You were brought to my attention by our guest, Kim Shaw-Ellis with Synergy Services, and I will link to that episode in the description of this one, because if you missed it, It was wonderful. She was great, and it was inspiring, and it gives you hope for how we can all work together to solve problems. And one group that is part of some of the solutions that Kim talked about is Bestie B&B, and we'll definitely want to talk about that relationship. But before we do, Andy, Zoe, can you tell us what is Bestie B&B? Bestie B&B is a technical platform that enables domestic violence shelters to find short and long-term boarding options for the pets of abuse victims. At a, at a very high level, that's what the software does. Now, it, it does a lot in addition to that. We've built a custom suite of tools for domestic violence agencies to help digitize some of their processes and, and just Really, at the end of the day, what we're doing is looking to remove barriers. And whether that's a barrier that is a true crisis, 
like a, a person experiencing domestic violence, not being able to find safety because they will not leave their pet down to just removing barriers on, on day-to-day workflows and processes for agencies and removing barriers of, uh, you know, the, the importance of the animal human bond. You know, when, when a person is in receiving services at a domestic violence agency, even though their pet may not be right with them, you know, and the best thing would be that that pet could crawl up in their lap at the end of the day. But the next best thing is to make sure that they're connected. And so we have some proprietary and secure ways for that pet parent to still feel that connection with their pet, even though they're not right with them while they're receiving services. It's heartbreaking to think that a barrier for someone getting help is the fact that they love their pet. Yeah, it's something that when Matt and I learned of this issue, it, it's something that we had never we didn't know before we heard a, a, an episode of, of Steve Kraske's show on KCUR, uh, the local NPR affiliate in Kansas City. But as soon as we did hear it, it made complete sense. And it really kind of stopped us in our tracks. And, and over the course of us learning more about it and developing what would ultimately become Best DB&B, we had the fortune to meet with very smart people like Zoe, who educated us even more. And, and really had been living and breathing those types of issues for so long. And, and it still kind of gives me pause and gives me, gives me chills to think about that, that someone having to make that decision. So we feel very grateful and, and very, uh, we're very humbled to be able to, to help try to be a, a, a part of a solution to that issue. Not only is it a barrier because people can't bring their pet to a facility because that facility can't accommodate that animal, but it's a barrier because that pet is actually in danger in that home. Pets are often used to maintain that power and control. And when pet abuse is so hard to prove and so easy to get away with, it's an easy way for that abuser to hold power over the survivor by manipulating them through their pet. The assumption I think perhaps some people have is wouldn't you get help to protect not only yourself, but you have a responsibility to protect your children and your pets, not realizing, as you describe, protecting your loved one, whether it's a child or a pet. It's not as easy as just saying, well, let's gather everybody up and let's go to the Westin and Mm -hmm. sort this out. Protection for a lot of those victims means I have to put myself between the abuser and the child or between the abuser and the pet. If I try to escape, that's a selfish act. Yeah, so oftentimes when a survivor leaves an abusive relationship, that's when their safety is at most risk. That's when they're actually most likely to be harmed or even killed by their abuser because the abuser feels they have nothing left to lose. That's when they feel most out of control. So it's the most dangerous time for a survivor and there are huge number of reasons why a survivor would have to stay in a relationship in order to keep themselves safe or to keep their pet safe, their child safe. Um, So it's not just so simple as like, why didn't they leave, you know? And that's one of the questions that I would frequently get when I would tell folks that I work in this field is, well, what's the whole point? Why didn't they leave? If somebody's mean to me, 
I wouldn't stay around, Mm -hmm. but you know, financial reasons, isolation is a huge tactic of abuse and abusive relationships. If you have access to social supports, then you have access to help. And so an abuser will work to diminish those social supports. So you only can rely on the abuser. It could be that the abuser prevented you from being able to work. So you didn't have the financial resources in order to leave. And it could also just be geographical. Could be that you live in a rural area and everyone you know knows your abuser and you don't have a safe private place to leave where he wouldn't know where you are. Best Airbnb, as uh, Andy was describing, is now playing a role in removing at least one of the barriers that might keep someone from getting help. Tell us exactly how that role works. Sure. It's something that we enable the domestic violence agencies and the advocates that are working within those agencies, we just enable them to have more availability, more options to do the work that they're already doing. We understand that they are the experts in getting people to safety and maintaining that safety. So what our software does is just enables someone like Kim at Synergy Services, who you referred to in the intro, an agency like that, who for a long time, for a number of reasons, wasn't able to offer any solution in terms of pets, had no pet programming at all. Now with Bestie B&B and, and kind of taking this pet program into the digital space and having a platform to be able to source the community for safe boarding for those pets, it opens up options that previously didn't exist or were too cumbersome or or perceived as too cumbersome to be able to fully incorporate at an agency. And it also is built for someone, um, you know, one of the the few, you know, less than 4% of domestic violence agencies in the country that have on-site capabilities for pets. Those agencies can use Bestie B&B as well, both as a tool to help organize and maintain those animals that are on site with the pet parent or as overflow if their shelter is full or, you know, a pet comes in and living in shelter isn't the best setting for that pet. Maybe they they need a home setting to be safe and, and have the best experience that they can have. So there's a number of reasons that, that an agency can use Bestie B&B, but essentially they're able to go on and do a search in whatever geography that makes the most sense for the agency, for the client, and for that pet. If it's an urban area, you know, Kansas City is a great example, actually, because we've got north and south of the river. We've got two states divided by a street. We've got urban. We've got suburban. We've got rural. An advocate from an agency can go on and say, you know, the, the best place for this pet needs to be somewhere fairly close to our location. And they can do a search for a caregiver in a vicinity around their location and outreach to those folks that have been vetted and approved as caregivers within our system to take care of this pet for however long it needs to be taken care of. If it's a in a rural community or a smaller community and kind of everyone knows whose pets uh, belong to whom, they could look for something a little further away or if they know that an abuser is going to be hyperactive and trying to locate this pet. So I need to look in a community 45 minutes away. They have the flexibility to do that. So we've tried to build something that works the way that the advocates need it to work. And, uh, and so far our feedback has just been really, really sterling on, on the flexibility that it provides each agency. You described what is, I think an obvious problem, domestic violence agencies, they don't have the space or the staffing to take care of the pets. It's all that most of them can do to take care of the survivors that are showing up as far as 
feeding, clothing, housing, taking care of children. Then you add a pet into the mix. And then the solution, amazingly, I think uh, this is an inspired solution, is not the obvious one of we need to get them more space and staffing. The solution is none of these domestic violence agencies have a fully staffed IT department. And this is a tech solution. And the obvious solution, I think, for most people is an analog one, which I think is very cumbersome and very daunting and not scalable. And here you've come up with a technological solution that is scalable and much more robust because no matter what a domestic violence agency does as far as space, and then somebody shows up with a 200-pound borble, it's like, where did we put this dog? We can't have any more dogs because of this one dog. Or the example that Kim talked about, their first one was turtles. We don't know anything about turtles. It's like, we have the space, we have the staff, and then somebody shows up with an animal that nobody there knows anything about. Exactly right. You know, Matt and I, when we decided very early on to pursue this and to build this platform, a couple things that we knew right away. One, there was a lot that we didn't know. Two, that if we were going to do this, we had the responsibility to do it the right way and build software that would work the way that the advocates and the agencies would need it to work and work in such a way that it is a complement to what they're already doing and can be seamlessly integrated rather than creating the need to increase staff or be an increase to payroll in order to run it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, you're going to have to uh, buy servers or get on AWS and... Uh... Exactly right. Exactly right. And so once we felt that responsibility to build it the right way, we knew that it had to be 100% of our focus. And that's what we decided. We were standing in a parking lot of a domestic violence agency located on the Kansas side of the state line. And uh, we decided right then and there that we were going to do this. And we understood what it would take in terms of effort and cost to build the, the platform. But we knew that we needed to fully understand the issues and understand the pain points that, that people had, understand how to make it work in a way that would be very user-friendly and, and something that would seem very familiar. And so we spent uh, a little over a year just learning that we, you know, we, we needed to make sure we understood, like I said, the breadth of the issue. So very high level things first, was this a Kansas city issue? Was this a Midwest issue? And after traveling to Southern California and meeting with the domestic violence agency and woman services agency in Joliet, Illinois, and then some other contacts that we had uh, on the East coast in the state of Maine, we, we quickly realized how, how this was not only just a national issue, but an international crisis. And so we set about just getting educated and talking with people that were smarter than Matt and myself. And and Zoe was one of those, those folks and, and right at the top of the list. And it was always just as an aside, it was always one of those things or every time we, we spoke with her or showed her a piece of the software and asked her for feedback. And she was so generous with her time and and educating us. And we, it was always like, oh, wouldn't it be great if, if if Zoe was on our team one of these days? And that was always kind of a pie in the sky, like down the road kind of aspiration for us. And then when we had the opportunity to convince her to, to join us, 
at the end of you know October of uh, of 2021, it really just added a lot to what we're able to offer and how quickly we're able to offer it. Because that was another thing that was important to Matt and I is you know building this was great, getting it out to start having it have the impact that we knew it could have as quickly as possible was something that um, that was very important to us as well. And and so Zoe's just been an integral part of that for us, offering trainings, offering, um, you know, support. Anytime somebody has an issue that pops up saying, okay, this is a new one for us. They're able to contact her. And if she hasn't seen it, she's got the skill set to offer some suggestions on best practices on, on how to approach the issue. So so it's just, it's, it's been really great having the ability to offer those types of things to our domestic violence agency partners and as well as offering trainings to our, our pet caregivers. That's something that that's extremely important to us as well as continuing to evolve, continuing to offer trainings and solutions on how to best meet the needs of these pets and their people. Well, Zoe, first, how did you get to be so awesome? <laughs> Um, well, my background is both domestic violence agencies and animal welfare. So I've been in animal welfare for over a decade now, starting as kind of like a adoptions counselor, helping people find the best pet for their family, and then also in animal care and management as well. And a little bit of vet teching, kind of like just all over the place, which then set me up really well to run the pet shelter program for a domestic violence agency. And I did that for close to eight years, which just gave me a full education of the dynamics of domestic violence relationships and how pets are used as both tools of manipulation, but also as tools to heal for survivors and often are the reason why survivors leave. So I was lucky to work for an organization that has the capacity to hire a full-time person to run their pet shelter program. And they also allowed me the ability to build that program and um, really turn it into something that was really robust. And that, you know, like Andy said, that's how I got connected to Bestie B&B. And one thing that was always kind of a struggle through my position at the domestic violence agency was that we were one of the only domestic violence agencies that allowed you to bring your pet. So if somebody called the hotline or I was talking to them on the phone, trying to get them to safety, if our shelter didn't have space and shelter was the only option that they had for safety, I knew that if they had a pet, they had no other options. So Bestie B&B rolling into town significantly changed that. Now every single shelter in the Kansas City, Missouri area does have some sort of pet program, whether it's through Bestie B&B to create their entire program or using Bestie B&B to make their program larger. So it's been pretty amazing to see Bestie B&B's impact on Kansas City, and I can't wait to see that impact on other metropolitans throughout the country. This is a real important point, the relationship that a shelter has with whether it's a municipal animal shelter or a not-for-profit rescue group, this is part of an evolving mindset about our relationships, humans' relationships and responsibility. Not too long ago, there was not animal services. It was only animal control. And so Mm -hmm. if someone couldn't take their pet with them and you said, well, we're just going to turn it over to animal control, it will be in their shelter, there's no guarantee that that animal wouldn't be euthanized. There's no guarantee that it would be adopted out and you would never see it again. Mm -hmm. 
both of which would be, to me, big deterrents to seeking help. So now in mm-hmm. Kansas City, instead of animal control, we have animal services where their focus isn't on writing tickets or punishing pet owners. It's about finding solutions. How can we educate you to better take care of your pet? How can we identify what needs you have that aren't being met that would allow you to be a better caregiver for your pet? And that naturally flows into, and what can we do to take care of those in our community who are seeking to be a survivor but are held back by the relationship with their pet? How can we help them? So just knowing your pet's going to be safe and that everything possible is going to be done to return that pet to you when the circumstances are right is is critical. Yeah, absolutely. Animal harm or neglect is not just isolated. It's a symptom of a larger issue, which is that the person who is caring for that pet is in need of some sort of intervention. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when we're siloed in our workspaces, whether that's animal welfare, social services, domestic violence, when we're siloed, we kind of are missing the bigger picture. And so it's really great to be able to work together and facilitate those relationships so that we're not missing those opportunities for intervention, to offer help, because we don't know what to do or we don't have the resources to do so. And that's one thing that we were really excited to explore and, and, and try to help be kind of that hub between domestic violence agencies, social services, animal services, animal wellness, and, and create a commonality that could enable collaboration. And once we saw how excited our community here in Kansas City was for that opportunity. Matt and I and, and Zoe, we quickly realized that this is part of a blueprint that we're building so that as we start working with domestic violence agencies, specifically in other areas, other cities and other states, we're able to come in and say, not only is here, here's this solution, but here's how the overall kind of global community in Kansas City has approached this and here's how it can work in one municipality. Now it's flexible enough, go make it your own. And that's been really well received as we've started to branch out. You kind of alluded to it earlier. You don't want to create something that's that's big and cumbersome and not welcoming. And the last thing we wanted to do was introduce something with that people thought, well, this is just too much to take on or it's too scary. Like I understand the software looks nice and it works well, but we have all these other holes. What yeah. a lot of what abouts? What about this? What about that? And we were able to come in and cut a lot of those what about questions off before they even got to be asked and say, here's how you work with animal services in your community. Here's how you engage with your volunteer network who's eager to try to come help your, your organization. Here's how you can engage with your donor community to try to raise more funds for your core mission of helping people. And so once we were able to kind of sculpt that blueprint, it's just been very well received as as we've gone outside of the Kansas City area. So we talked about how this is accessible and scalable and really to be partnered with Besting B&B. Hi, sweetie. Who's that over your shoulder, Zoe? Oh, that's her dog, Etta. She's Hi, Etta. usually very sleepy and completely quiet during Beautiful. all meetings. <laughs> I, don't, I think girl. she's rarely ever made an appearance during a meeting, and well, today's the day. <laughs> I'm glad she made an appearance on Dogwitch. Hi, Etta. 
Dog Words is heard around the world, so hopefully agencies and anyone who works with an agency who realizes we need to be a part of this can go to bestiebnb.com. That'll be linked in the description. But how can an individual become a part of this if they want to be a caregiver for pets or make a donation? What are your needs? How can people get involved? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for asking that because it is important. Someone that wants to to sign up and be a pet caregiver can visit that same website, bestiebnb.com and, and click on the become a caregiver icon at the top of the page. And that will take them through a five-step process that includes, you know, creating some background about yourself, about your home environment, about your experience with pets, goes through some video training that we have, also provides three references, at, at least three, and they can have more where they'll provide uh, emails that references will go out. And then they complete approval to be submitted to a background check. And so we have a very, it's very easy to get through. doesn't take a lot of time, but we do want to make sure that we're vetting people to make sure that we are getting safe and secure folks in. Part of the equation is not only, you know, finding the right environment for that animal, but finding the right caregiver for that animal too. You know, if you've got the 200 pound dog that comes in, you want to make sure that that animal is, is going to go to a loving home that is equipped to handle mm -hmm. uh, and, and give that pet the best experience. So all of that's on the website and it can be very interactive. If we have questions about something, we reach out and we just want to make sure that we have a vetted and, and the best of the best in terms of caregivers that each community has. And we know there's a ton of them out there. So we're just excited to help grow that. It's been very well received here in Kansas City. We've been working with several groups around the metropolitan area that are excited about trying to push this information out for us into their circles because it's just something that everyone sees. It's a way to help more than, than just one domestic violence agency too. You know, a lot of these agencies, they kind of have their Rolodex of folks that want to volunteer. And this is a way, you know, if you're in any given city, any domestic violence agency located in that city can draw on that same pool of, of caregivers. So the way that they're able to help is really exponential when they come into our, our system. And Kim talked yeah. about it's similar to volunteering to foster for an animal shelter that you get to set your parameters. Here's where I'm available. I can take small dogs. I can take big dogs. Or I only want cats. Or I have experience with bearded dragons. You can pick your niche and not just be wondering, oh, can I go on vacation this weekend? Or what kind of dog? I don't know what to do with that kind of dog. You set your parameters. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if someone does have that vacation that pops up, you know, it's not, I'm starting vacation on Saturday and I'm ending on the next Saturday. We built some custom proprietary tools to help handle that, but somebody doesn't have to say like, okay, I'm committed to this for maybe 90 days. You know, if something comes up and life happens for a caregiver and they need to go attend to something, then they can communicate that with the advocate and that advocate can get on Bestie BNB, find another caregiver, coordinate a seamless, safe, and secure drop-off for that pet. And then they're off and running with a new caregiver in a, in a new loving environment. The best thing for the animal too is that they get to be in a home environment. Mm -hmm. They don't have to be in a boarding facility that's more stressful and adding to the trauma that the animals already experienced. They get to be in a loving, caring home, which is perfect. And often uh, it's been said, don't let perfect be the enemy of the good. I think you guys have nailed both. You've 
come up with not just a good solution. It's as, as close to perfect, but you're still working to get even better. I'm so impressed with this. I'm so excited about how this is going to help communities around the world. Again, Bestie, bnb.com is linked in the description for more information or if you want to become a part of this. Zoe Agnews Voboda and Andy Bond, thank you so much for sharing the story of Bestie BNB and joining Dog Words today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Phil. And thanks for all your work with uh, Rosie Bond. It's uh, tremendous what you're doing. So thank you for that. You are welcome. I'm Phil Hatterman, and you've been listening to Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Stay tuned for an update on Peach's Delight. Thank you so much to Zoe Agnews Voboda and Andy Bond from Bestie BNB. The episode description has a link to bestiebnb.com with links to the Dog Words episodes I referenced. Remember, we've just launched a campaign on bonfire.com that includes a shirt featuring our Peach's Delight. Her Be a Royal Delight t-shirt is just one of the many choices that help you show how much you love dogs while you support Rosie Fund. Next time on Dog Words, Claudia McMullen talks about great coffee and helping animals. A big thank you to alternative string duo The Wires, featuring cellist Sasha Groshong and violinist Laurel Morgan Parks for playing the wonderful music you've heard on today's and previous episodes of Dog Words. Supporting The Wires supports our mission. Learn more about The Wires, including their concert schedule at thewires.info and download their music on iTunes. Check out fiddlelife.com and learn to play the fiddle and cello fiddle online from Laurel and Sasha, even if you've never played before. Don't forget to join Laurel and Sasha as they explore new music and delve into the inspiration behind each work as hosts of Sound Currents on 91.9 Classical KC. Click on the Sound Currents link in the description for more information. Go to rosyfund.org to shop and get links to our social media. As always, please download, follow, rate, and share dog words. This helps us with sponsorships, then Rosyfund can help more dogs. Send us your comments, questions, and suggestions at rosyfund.org and let us know if you would like to be a sponsor or a guest of the Dog Words podcast. And now for an update on Peaches. And I'll be honest, the version you're hearing online is a credit to my editing skills, because I could not do this in one take. Sadly, I don't expect there to be many more updates. At Peach's last oncology visit, they found a mass on the spleen and spots on the lungs in addition to her bladder cancer. Were it not for the other issues, surgery would be an option for the spleen. It is unknown if the spots metastasized from the spleen or the bladder. Regardless, there really isn't anything to be done for the lungs. The chemo was limiting the growth of the bladder cancer, but the other tumors will take her before the bladder would become an issue, so we have elected to stop treatment. Since she won't do pills, we may address pain with shots, but only so far as they preserve quality of life. She only has a few more weeks, a couple months at most. We have made arrangements for her final moments with Lap of Love. I encourage all pet owners to consider their hospice and euthanasia options before the end is too near, rather than to wait to make all those decisions in the midst of your grief. The description of this episode has Lap of Love's website, as well as the in-home pet euthanasia directory for hospice, palliative care, pain management, acupuncture and alternative medicine, and euthanasia. While this is a very sad time for us, we are still considering how much Peaches has brought to our lives with her attitude and idiosyncrasies. She continues to delight us even as she is slowing down. We know she will be bossy to the end, doing everything her own way. When the clinic tried to do her sonogram, Peaches would not lay on her side or back, a resistance to submission that her massage therapist and chiropractor know all too well. The staff thought she was so funny because there is no aggression or fear in the resistance, just zero cooperation. They finally asked my permission to sedate her so they could do the scan. Peaches being peaches. 
Thank you for everyone's thoughts, prayers, and words of encouragement. And thank you for listening to Dog Words. Remember, we save each other. Thank you.